All right. So everybody, welcome to the first Latinos in Clinical Research Meetup. My name is Dan Sfera. We've got uh, people entering right now, more people. So we've got Ashley Margo. We've got, we've got Monica Quitiva. And then we've got everybody. This is open to all ethnicities, first of all. But the themes are going to be around Latinos in research because there's a huge need for this. There's a huge need. I believe there's a trickle-down effect. First of all, it starts with building a community for the Latinos currently working in the industry. And hopefully, by fostering this community, we can get more Latinos to work in the industry. And then hopefully, if we can do that and cultivate that, we can get Latinos to participate in clinical trials, which uh, is going to help everybody uh, in the industry. And it's going to help the industry in general, too. So that's the purpose of these. That's the purpose of Latinos in clinical research, why we exist. We want to provide content. This one is going to be just like a founders. We're going to give you the introduction to why we got started, the mission, the values, what we think we're going to bring to the table, what, what you guys would want to get out of this as well. And I'll pass it over to Ashley Margot who's very well prepared, by the way, for this uh, Latinos in Research Meetup. And take it away, Ashley. Well, hi, thank you so much, Dan. Um, thank you everybody for being here today. And as Dan said, you know, there's just so many reasons as to why we wanted to create the Latinos in Clinical Research. And so any and all involvement with all ethnicities is helpful in moving this purpose and mission forward. Um, and so I guess I'd like to start with um, pretty much just saying, you know, our, our mission, right? So let me go ahead and get that up. So our mission is bringing awareness and opportunities to Latinos about clinical research while providing a bridge to increase opportunities, education, global networking platform, while including vendor, sponsor, CRO exposure, and collaboration for clinical research professionals. This is very important, obviously, because um, not just, you know, getting exposure, networking, but working together as a whole to focus in on the issues and ultimately guiding everyone to one vision and creating, you know, solutions to boundaries or barriers that we, we have. So um, if Judy, you want to uh, touch on the vision? Yeah. So our vision is to unite um, the diversity in all areas of clinical research. We want to bring awareness and guidance in the Latino community as a forefront discussion in clinical research. Uh, and the reason we want to do that, I think we all have different backgrounds and experiences, but me personally, I work in a large Hispanic community. I've encountered a lot of barriers with the current studies we have with recruiting, just everything um, that we do day to day. And we've been around for 13 years. It's got a lot better, but there's just a bunch of barriers. Um, so I think um, I struggle to find a lot of information that could be helpful for my site, specifically to help me recruit or other things. I have to Google and there's just nowhere to go where I just can find all the answers. So we kind of want to create something that maybe we can provide more resources to other sites like myself, other professionals, um, just somewhere of, a, yeah, a place to go because there's really nothing out there that I can think of um, that I know of yet. Um, so that's pretty much our vision. Um, and we're definitely open, um, as you will see later, to any feedback on how, what you wanna see and how we can achieve that vision uh, moving forward. Great, and Monica, if you wanna touch a bit on our purpose. 
Yeah, Monica next. Monica, I see two of you. That's so important what you're going to announce. There's two of you. <laughs> I wasn't able to hear anything because my, you know, <laughs> I'm not a very tech person. So, hi, everybody. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Ashley and Judy, for the introduction. Um, I would like to start also by welcoming everybody to uh, this first ever uh, Latinos in Clinical Research meeting. And uh, um, I'm going to give a brief about my, uh, my name is Monica Cuitiva, and I am extremely passionate about the clinical research industry as well, fascinated about education. I feel both passionate and fascinated about these two topics because of the massive impact they generate in the world. Clinical research and education have in common that both improve communities and uh, people's quality of life. And as part of this contribution, that's why we created this uh, Latinos in Clinical Research organization, because we want to give more to the community. We want to contribute uh, to contribute in a bigger uh, spectrum to the whole industry, because we know the power that we could uh, be um, having uh, by joining and, and creating a community that work together to make this happen. We know that uh, there are many imparities in healthcare, and one of those is the lack of diversity. So that's why this organization is so important. And uh, and I think that's that's mainly uh, what is driving us to to work towards this purpose. And and obviously the contribution of all the people that work in, in clinical trials in clinical research. Uh, even if you are Latino or not, together we make that diversity, right? And and that's uh, I hear uh, Will Smith mentioning before that the the superpower that United States has is diversity. So that's that could be our superpower too, <laughs> and we can work together on making this uh, a better a better world. I mean, it sounds like a cliche, but it's the truth. It's how it, it could be our uh, contribution to society. Exactly. Thank you so much for that, Monica. And I and I actually I agree 100%. I feel like, um, you know, bringing all ethnicities together to on this specific topic or what I would call somewhat of an issue because you know there's a lot of barriers and things that I feel that us as an organization focus in on and possibly even create solutions for, you know, nationwide. And so um, I feel that having all ethnicities involved would help not only you know, focus in and hone in on um, issues of what uh, us as, you know, workers at the site, sponsor CRO, as Latinos see, um, as well as, you know, our family members, our friends, our community that they experience while at the site, um, but also communicating with other ethnicities and what they see on their end and how we can get together and kind of hone in and create those solutions. So I, I agree wholeheartedly to that. And the great thing is that even though that we uh, have uh, many different languages like Spanish, English, Romanian, <laughs> German, uh, at the end of the day, when we come together to this, in this community, we always speak the same language. Yes. We always speak clinical research. And we all have the same purpose, which is uh, making the healthcare industry uh, better um, and 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 just uh, balance that disparity that we already that we currently have. 
Yeah, and just to add to that, I think um, the because we all come from different backgrounds, we're in different communities, different cities, even different states, we all bring something different to the table that we can share our experiences. Something that worked for me might work for another site somewhere else, something that worked for them could work for us, vice versa, um, because, every, you know, all the things that we do in research, it does vary um, depending what community you're in, what research center, where you're located. Um, so the more we can collaborate, I think the easier it can be for all of us. Yeah, so just to kind of touch in on what Judy just said, um, just because I've also had multiple people reach out that were outside of clinical research, that were in public health, that were in um, hospitals, you know, we all ultimately kind of come together, kind of deal with the same things, uh, somehow end up touching a bit, especially within the clinical, the public health and the clinical industry, we all end up touching a bit of, you know, research. And I feel that it's important that we let, you know, our coworkers know, our friends know, our families know, because ultimately we all have, you know, a way of creating or having some sort of touch on this. And, you know, the more diverse diversity we have within careers join in, the more, you know, universal span we have a view on this, a bird's eye view. And I think that that's going to contribute greatly as to how we can, you know, hone in and create these solutions and, and discuss openly on different uh, uh, viewpoints and, and things like that. So, you know, please do what you can to spread the word. It's an, it's really important that we get out there in the community and uh, make this organization aware to everybody. And then the, the other thing that I would like to mention is that uh, just to, to piggyback on what Ashley just mentioned, uh, by having different um, professionals in different areas, we can also contribute uh, by giving services because this, this community at the end of the day, we're going to be networking too. And, and it's going to be a win-win situation just because we can offer our services uh, to the community and, 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 and at the same time, uh, the community is going to get um, benefit, benefit out of it. So when I say this is, for example, if somebody that their job is to translate documents or to be a translator in any, in any way, we can create like a directory in which we can uh, have all these professionals that offer their services and then provide it to CROs or maybe a clinic that needs a translation of anything, uh, somebody that specializes in marketing and, uh, and we can work together to get, for example, um, some advertisement um, IRB approved. I mean, we can do so much uh, together that is is just incredible how that's that's why it's so important that's why communities are so important in the world exactly help us help you to you know figure easier ways around you know your situation your job and helping your subjects your patients because um, ultimately that's what we'd like to be here for to provide um, bridges into solutions and making things and, you know, just more beneficial all around for everybody. And so, you know, just spread the word, please share. And that, and that kind of goes into, you know, our next topic, which is um, what, uh, what do we already have and how can, you know, more specifically, how can you help? And so, um, you know, from this, we can go through, you know, you all as, a, as our members of the organization, go out and um, 
share, you know, our videos, you know, what we want to do for the future, our podcasts, uh, please go and subscribe to our webpage, go to our LinkedIn page and, and share all the updates that we have. Make sure that your coworkers are involved. Um, Monica, Judy, do you feel like you have any other, um, you know, ideas as to how they can get involved and be helped? Um, so I, I think um, you guys mentioned it all, but definitely give us feedback on things that you want to see. Um, I have a background. I don't think I, sorry, I, we skipped the intro. My, I didn't do my intro, so maybe I should do it right now. So I'm a site director slash co-owner of a research center in Imperial County for the past 13 years, but I've been in clinical research for 16 years. I started with sleep disorders. Um, I worked in San Diego County, which was a lot easier to recruit patients. Now I'm in Imperial County, which is a lot more difficult to recruit recruit patients. Um, it's a large Hispanic patient population. Many are bilingual, many are Spanish speaking. Um, we do enroll both languages in most of our studies. I've encountered a lot of things, um, specifically, uh, for example, the translation services. Um, usually it was just the IRB that we relied on to translate documents. Sometimes the sponsors didn't want to allow that. It was a big mess. I actually recently came, uh, found a company that actually does translation services and focuses on recruiting um, in Hispanic patient um, communities. So we're using them. The, the person that runs the agency is a certified translator. So I can go to him, ask him to create a flyer for me, translate it, give me a certified translated um, document, and I can submit that to a sponsor and IRB. And I kind of bypass that whole trying to go in circles, trying to figure out if the IRB and sponsor are going to do it. Um, so that's one of my hurdles. The other hurdles is what type of recruitment works in my community. Social media only works a little bit. It's a combination of community outreach, actually having people out in the community, going to events, going to doctor offices, going to, you know, face-to-face -face giving out flyers because only so many people do respond to social media. That necessarily is isn't always needed in other communities. Sometimes social media works 100%. No central recruitment campaigns work in my area. We have tried so many by the sponsors. They always want to go with what, whoever they hired, and they don't work. It's a waste of money, and this is the argument I continue to have with sponsors. So things like that are things I encounter. I'm sure a lot of other sites encounter that I hopefully give my feedback or help change something to make better for my site and other sites because you know it's kind of it's it's a lot of time and effort with all these barriers that push us back when it comes to recruiting to trying to enroll patients when I have to jump through all these hoops that a lot of other sites don't have to jump through and it shouldn't be that difficult mm. um so if anything I can do to help um and same thing um any feedback you guys have if there's companies out there like I literally do google searches to find like certain things in my community or surrounding areas um because I don't know exactly what's out there that that certain things I need for my community when we're working on research studies but I think with having more people part of this group I can reach out to you guys and be like hey I'm looking for this or I need this do you know anybody um and hopefully you know that's I think that's what I can provide um being a site owner that's a lot to unpack with what you just <laughs> said Judy but uh no thank you for that though you said something interesting in the beginning I was going to interrupt, but uh, I didn't want to interrupt uh, because there's more, actually, okay. from what you said. <laughs> there's you a said lot it more. Was, there's a lot more. It got, we got nothing but time, guys. We've got these meetings every month. Um, you said it was harder or easier to enroll in San Diego than where you currently are, oh, yeah. which are a rural place. Mm -hmm. Is that because yeah. you were not enrolling Latinos there? You were basically just no. enrolling... 
Um, so actually, yeah, that's correct. So, so I, I can compare San Diego and Imperial County because, you know, I worked in both areas. San Diego is just, it is a diverse city, but most of the patients we recruited, very few were minority patients um, compared to Imperial County. It's actually the opposite. We recruit more minorities than, um, than you know, pretty, actually minorities, I would say more Hispanics than anything else in Imperial County. So it's complete the opposite, but just the outreach advertising methods are like completely different than what works in San Diego. You can post an ad on Craigslist and probably get a ton of referrals for a study. I remember doing that for sleep disorders. I can't do that in Imperial County. Hardly nobody looks at Craigslist. Really? Hardly nobody. Like there's certain things that people just don't, like Uber and Lyft is pretty new in Imperial County, not everybody. So things like that that work in San Diego don't always work in Imperial County. I gotcha. Okay. So, and basically you said something else interesting. You said you were looking in your area for services specifically dedicated towards um, services to help Latinos get more, get more involved in, in research. And I think we're going to discover throughout the course of doing these, these Zoom meetings uh, potential business opportunities for people. I mean, if there's any entrepreneurs out there watching, mm -hmm. uh, you know, th these are recorded too, and we're going to have a podcast, Latinos in Clinical Research Podcast. So anybody watching or listening, you're going to come across um, business opportunities. What do you guys think about this? I mean, this, this is what we're going to be discussing. We're basically uncovering problems, how to improve diversity in research by getting more Latinos involved, more minorities involved. I think it starts grassroots, like you said. I think we need more minorities to be working in research. I think that helps get more patients in research. When more minorities are working at a clinic, the minority patients are more likely to want to enroll in a study uh, as opposed to the other way around, right? So I think it starts with the ones already in the industry, like the people here who are subscribed to our mail list, to our podcast. But then we need you guys to go out there and get, you know, fresh blood, bring in fresh blood, <laughs> uh, all ethnicities, really. I mean, Latinos, African-Americans, there's another group, they're doing a really good job, Black Women in Research with Danielle Co. Um, you know, same strategy. Let's help the Latinos that are working in the industry. Let's give them a platform, let's give them networking opportunities, and then let's get other people involved, and then this will trickle down to the patients, and like Judy said, vendors, service providers, because that's all going to help too. And I guess yeah. the, other, the other thing to add to that on the other side is how do we educate the Hispanic, the Latinos or minority patient population to participate in clinical trials? I think there's been more of a push for that the past year. And there's a few things out there, but I don't think um, there's a lot out there. Like we need to do more. So what should we do? What, what, what could be out there that we can help like patients in my community? Because like I said, I've been here 13 years and I'm still having to educate people in my community every day about clinical trials. I think what we have in our benefit is that we speak the same language too, like uh, with this kind of communities. So we can, um, and, and like I was mentioning, I think one of the main things that we should be doing is education, uh, maybe uh, through uh, these videos and also uh, podcasts and spreading the word everywhere, really. And, and, and I think once people see the same, uh, same um, like uh, when they see somebody from the same community, they just 
that that creates trust and that's part of our responsibility as uh as, as professionals working in uh, in this industry so I, i i think that's that's another part as uh, everybody has mentioned that we should be uh spreading the word sharing the videos sharing uh, uh, reposting um and and letting everybody know about this organization so we can make it bigger we can make it stronger and our voice is going to be louder exactly exactly well thank you so much um All right. So I guess uh, going into where we kind of left off and where Monica was just touching on, on you know, again, um, if y'all can, you know, just kind of focus in on on what are things that they, you know, the members should be doing first off and how they're supposed to be, you know, notifying their coworkers, their friends, their family, how to be involved with the organization and how to keep up with our our projects that we'll be doing in the future. Well, I think one of the biggest, one of the most powerful things we can do, we can accomplish as a group is to affect change to some level, even if it's helping one person's career. Uh, for example, I know so many coordinators I, and I don't know if it's just me, but I know a lot of Latino coordinators and I don't know that many Latino CRAs and I don't know why that's the case. It's just something I've noted, literally something I just thought of right now as we're talking. Um, I think that it's certainly not from a lack of interest uh, from the coordinators out there. Uh, so I think there's got to be a way that we can help some people's career tra trajectories out of this group. I mean, we all who work in the industry, we know people, you know, we all know that people get hired a lot of the times based on who they know. So I think that's one of the most powerful things we can do is actually affect change even at the individual level just starting with one person at a time exactly we actually have uh, one CRA here uh, Jacqueline yeah. Alim <laughs> sorry if I mispronounced it but yes she's a, a Latina CRA so potential interview Dan right let's do it <laughs> yeah um, and you <laughs> yeah <laughs> and Ashley Ashley yourself yes. <laughs> I mean are there like let's maybe I'm just I haven't been paying attention but are there Latino and Latina CRAs or well, not? Because there's a lot of coordinator. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of coordinators. Like from my, uh, well, I didn't give my intro. And I'm sorry about that. So uh, my name is Ashley Margo. I uh, currently in Austin, Texas. I'm originally from the Rio Grande Valley, uh, very south, south Texas. Um, so I have about 10 years, a uh, little over 10 years of clinical industry experience and some of that being into research. Um, Throughout that time frame, I've been exposed to, you know, clinical research coordinators, some CRAs, uh, and multiple physicians that were also dabbling with their private industry, uh, with their private um, sites uh, in clinical research. And so um, speaking to what Dan had said, um, yeah, you know, I've seen a lot of Latino CRCs, uh, but only just a small handful of CRAs. And, and to be quite honest, um, That actually only started happening until I came to Austin. And I've only, out of the multiple that I've met and talked to, I think there's only about three that I know. So that is that is kind of interesting. I hadn't thought about that at all. Um, so, you know, definitely something we want to touch in on and maybe even kind of get some stats on that if we can. To kind we of should. We should. And yeah. I think it's actually related to uh, Judy's, uh, Judy's issues that she brought up, you know, like, 
when it comes to, I guess, making it more accessible for study opportunities for Latinos. Uh, I'm talking about patients. You know, that's only going to come from the sponsor. They're the one. They're called sponsor for a reason. They're paying for the study. Like the sites can give them uh, suggestions, which Judy's probably done till she's blue in the face. <laughs> but really, the change is going to come from them. And I think the more Latinos we get involved, closer as close to the sponsor level as you can get. The, the more that's going to accomplish for the patients and, and making studies more accessible for patients. So if we can play, like if this group and all of you guys can play even a small role in this, that's making huge, huge, uh, you know, that, that's going to make huge improvements in the industry, even from just some small changes. Like it's just a matter of getting a few people. It's, it starts with getting the CRCs to become CRAs. It's not that they don't want to. They message me on Instagram and LinkedIn almost every day. How do I become a CRA? So CRAs then become what? They become lead CRAs who then become consultants for sponsors. I mean, it just, that's how the career trajectories go in this industry. And it's more about who you know. And until we get more Latinos, I think at the sponsor side, we're not going to really see these changes. We might see lip service being done, but nothing real, unfortunately. So if we can play a part in that, I'd be happy. Um, and I'm sure that the industry would, would also be happy as well. Yeah, and to touch on what you just said, Dan, um, coming from a rural area, um, I actually didn't know, you know, having had some research background, even some public health exposure, um, I had no idea how many, you know, roles and levels of roles there were in clinical research. Um, I didn't know until I moved to the city. And even at that, it took a while researching before, you know, uh, knowing this. So I definitely feel that it has a lot to do, again, with what you said, who you know, resources, education, formal education, as to, you know, how far you can take it, you know, your, your, your role and where the advancements are, what kind of education or certs you need to take um, in order to get that level of advancement to be able to jump into a CRO or to a sponsor level um, and what that type of job would entail. And, and you know, as for my background that I, I do help people with their um, job application process into clinical research, I feel like that's something I would personally like to also bring to this organization because, um, there's just so many routes and revenue uh, routes that you can take that um, could really just very quickly maneuver you into the right place at the right time within a short period of time. So long as you, you know, know where it is that you need to go and what you need to do. And that's also why I think your organization, the CRC Academy and the CRA Academy and, you know, your podcasts are so helpful and why I'm very excited about this organization, because I feel we're going to touch on so many important topics that everybody, not just, you know, in the cities, zeros and sponsors, but even students that, you know, come across this, that came from like a STEM background from schooling, that biology background, you know, this is, we're going to be able to provide, you know, us along with all the members coming together and uh, providing this very valuable information. We're going to help kind of, um, push forward the new generation of research, right? And I feel like our impact right now, just us being here right now, is just a small glimpse as to how big of a move it's going to make for the next incoming generation. And, and it's our job as Latinos and as ethnicities that uh, come together that care about, you know, 
where we're taking this knowledge, um, what it's going to bring, you know, and so I, I feel very, very strong about what we're doing here today and what we'll continue to be doing. And and um, really excited that everyone's Actually, here. so that leads, I know, because I, I looked at your agenda uh, yesterday. It was very good, by the way. I know mm-hmm. it's coming up, this this thing about mentoring, you know, current students, like college students, even high school students. And I got to give a shout out to Black Women in Clinical Research because they're doing this pretty well. They're in the communities, in, in the colleges, in the universities, even in the high schools. They had plans of going in there, educating them about clinical research, about careers in clinical research. I'm just reading the comments. Joe Mm -hmm. says, you know, education and career pathway, professional groups to join, networking key groups to join. Uh, George says, I think more training activities for healthcare professionals. Most of them are only dedicated to assistance care, not research. Very true. Um, and also somebody said, and and even less Latinos in trial master file than CRAs. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's look, I see a lot of coordinators. I mean, we have, I see you, Carlos, how's it going? There's a, there's a Latino coordinator right there. Um, and he actually had. If Carlos wants to talk, he can talk. He had aspirations <laughs> to be a CRA, but now he's changing his mind. I don't know why, but Carlos, we need more Latino CRAs. For sure. But yeah, I know that's coming up with education. Yeah, I definitely agree with what you mentioned because I think like a lot of us, we kind of stumbled into this profession. Um, when I was in college, I responded to a Craigslist ad for a part-time, very part-time research assistant um, position for a sleep disorders company. I didn't know what it was about. I responded, I got an interview and I had to go in a few hours a week just taking vital signs, doing questionnaires on the patients that were spending the night in the sleep lab. Pretty easy, basic stuff. I was in college, why not? And then that's when I... I've discovered this whole other industry that I did not know existed. Mind you, I was a biology major pre-med in college, yet I had never heard of clinical research. Um, and then I, I just moved up from there. And, and like I said, the rest is history. Um, the thing is, I think there is a little more programs now in colleges, maybe masters, but I still don't think college students know about clinical research, not even, definitely not high school. I don't know college. I see more programs now, but unless you come from a background or somebody in your family told you about it, no one is actually going into that because they don't really understand what it's about. So as you mentioned, if we start educating a younger um, generation to get into research, then we'll open it up to more people in the industry with different backgrounds and the opportunities to go into different areas. You know, there's so many areas in clinical research you can go into. If you don't want to work with patients, there's data entry. If you don't want to do data entry, there's all these other areas. Um, And they're great careers to go into that you can make really good money, just people don't know. Exactly. I think it has a lot to do with the misconception. I mean, for me, I just graduated from college, I think what, three years ago, and uh, I had multiple opportunities to get into research in college. And my perception of research was what what offered in college, uh, not outside in my job. Uh, But I understood that that was more of lab research, which it wasn't. But because of the lack of, you know, people going out there, giving resources to the students, explaining what it is and what exactly does it be doing. I mean, you had tons of students pre-med wanting exposure to subjects, to patients, you know, these kinds of things. And little did they know that the opportunities are right there in front of them. They could have had a whole other career pathway as an option, um, but they didn't know because there wasn't enough talk about this. And 
partially as what well. that is also another thing I'd like for us to do as an organization eventually making our way once you know COVID calms down making our way into interviewing students and interviewing you know professors that actually bring this to you know the universities and how they're trying to not only bring students in but you know make it more diverse and give these opportunities out and things like that so um, yeah just education and resources is really just key for sure. Yes, um, I would like to add to this is like in, in like uh, uh, Judy was mentioning in research, pretty much all the careers that you can think of, we have it in pharmaceutical research, every single thing. The, the great thing about it is that pharmaceutical pays better than any other industry <laughs> and it's probably and it's probably more stable. So there are many people out there that are craving to get a career, even though that they have already a bachelor's in their hands, but nobody gives them the opportunity to 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 get this experience. Uh, that's kind of why Dan and 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 I and um, more of our staff, we created the CRC Academy because we wanted to educate more people and give the opportunity to people to uh, to join the pharmaceutical industry. I mean, in only a few months, uh, you can pretty much <laughs> are, are pretty much ready to to join the industry uh, because uh, our classes we pretty every single class that we teach. Uh, it doesn't have any fillers. Everything is just from A to C uh, related to pharmaceutical. So that's, that's, that's a way for us to contribute to the industry. However, sometimes it's, it's, it's a bit hard to get mm -hmm. to all, everybody, <laughs> even though that we want to. And, uh, and in the past, I went to universities to, um, to kind of teach them about it. And I found out that yeah, like 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 uh, Ashley and Judy were mentioning, hardly one or two students will know something about research, but they all think is we just a bunch of nerds that are in a um, um, facility just mixing uh, stuff, but they don't really know all the beauty of this industry, and there is there is much more than just. Uh, the laboratories and and the nets. <laughs> I mean, we're <laughs> different. There are many, many, many more things, and and really every single area in in, in every single career out there, we have it in research, including in, in pharmaceutical research. So um, it will be. I mean, there are so many doctors here in the United States from different countries that they cannot. Uh, um, I mean, um, accredit their career here. This is an opportunity for them to work uh, with patients and uh, and have their impact that they probably wants to have, but in different area and is uh, and don't lose all those uh, years of uh, education and and training in in just um, just because they don't they don't know about uh, this industry. So that's that's why it's so important for us to 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 make this bigger and to share it everywhere we can. Mm -hmm. Somebody else says, I stumbled onto it as well as a patient navigator slash research assistant. So that's probably someone who's pre-screening. sounds like someone who's pre-screening patients. Uh, found out about it four years ago. I wish I had gotten the jump on the CRA before. 
And then somebody else said, even my family doesn't understand what I do <laughs> as a clinical researcher. So yeah, that's a good point. I mean, even your family doesn't understand what you do. Mine either. They don't really understand what mine I do. Still, mine still doesn't to this day. <laughs> yeah. So okay, I, think I, we're think, on the same <laughs> I think this group is uh, needed. I mean, I think our job is to go out there and kind of give an example to other people who are interested in the industry. I mean, it, it's going to start from your sphere of influence. Like your only incentive is you're trying to help somebody out. So you're either a friend or a family member. Perfect example, when I'm moving to Arizona to start my clinic, my niece, she's a medical assistant. She knows nothing about research other than what she hears from me. But she's going to be starting as a research assistant. I'm going to be teaching her to be a coordinator. So it starts like small. It starts from the people you know, getting them involved in the research industry. They're going to get others involved. The, it's like a network effect. The point is to get more patients enrolled in studies because that's going to help us get better drug data right, from these studies because we need more minorities, we need more African Americans, we need more Hispanics, we need more Asian Americans uh, in research because the patients are of all ethnicities out there. People who take medications are not just Caucasians, you know, it's all ethnicities. So we need that data in research. Somebody else said, I started as an MA too, drew blood and did vital signs. That's another thing. I think this MA schools, you know, these, yeah, these MA schools, if you think about like the career options that an MA has are very limited until you bring in research. From what I see, I, I maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's other things they can do, but they pay a lot of money to go to school. It's not a bachelor's degree. And they have ceilings as far as what they can earn until you introduce research. Then they could be a coordinator. They could be a site director. I don't know another industry where you can do that. And that's a, that's a highly uh, Hispanic uh, position, the MA, at least from the areas I've seen, there's mostly Hispanics doing that. Yeah, I can say something into that. Uh, the, the area I'm in, most, most of the MAs were Hispanic. Well, I mean, I think what 98% of the population is Hispanic. So yeah, but, yeah. Um, but definitely, I mean, coming from an MA background, I, I just turned 30 this month. And from where I was as an MA, what I was making um, to now has, you know, definitely, definitely, you know, increased. And again, I don't feel like I would have gotten to that point if I wouldn't have actually, you know, left the rural area, gone in, you know, networked and, you know, searched, found your web, your YouTube, Dan, your, your book and done heavy research within like a small span a time span and you know kind of did gotten the dirty work and make sure that I got a, a job right and so and that's because you're social like you're a highly social person imagine for every one of you there's like nine others that are not so social and they, maybe they would have never networked right yeah and you know like coming back to where I'm originally from it's a high populated you know the Rio Grande Valley it's, it's a high populated Hispanic area and with a very low in research sites, which is areas that you want research sites to be in, right? So this is not only opportunities for, for Latinos to increase, 
you know, their their living situation through finances, but also career opportunity and even possibly making a dent in their community and coming to a provider that they know or, you know, other co-workers that they know coming together, creating an organization locally, like a chapter, right? And making sure that change is happening in their area and creating kind of like a tidal wave. And, and that's what I would like for this organization to be, you know, we're all from different areas. We all know, you know, how the populations are there and how, how the clinical industry works there and, and how much the need of research is. And, you know, these are the things that we need to think about and um, kind of start bringing this information to the community because, there's opportunity for growth. And if there's opportunity, there should be no reason why we don't try to find a way to, to get that opportunity to, to Latinos and all ethnicities, right? Because everybody, this is America, we have the right to move forward and help our families and help our community out. And this is what I'd like for our organization to bring, you know? Sure. And just to add to that, another um, way to get into the industry that we want to share with others is by internships or volunteering. I had a, a psychology student reach out to me about a month ago. Um, her professor um, told all their class to try to volunteer, get an internship, anything similar in the industry. She did her research, found her research center and reached out to me. She sent me her resume and like the next week I had her come in and I was like, sure, you can volunteer and I'll teach you. I'm short staffed. So I actually, that's why I, I definitely brought her in. And now I'm literally going to offer her sorry about that. <laughs> I'm going to offer her a part-time research assistant job because she's actually catching on really fast and I think I can see her working out to be here long term if she's interested on staying on and so I'm willing to put in the time to train her and teach her everything that she needs to know to get her to that point and you know if she decides to move on at least she'll have the, this foundation to take what she learned and go somewhere else with it and do something else hopefully in the research industry. That's a good story I mean that just goes to show you I really think see people when they do discover research they they think of CRA first because that's like where the big bucks are, supposedly the big bucks. Eventually, I think it's big bucks and CRA. That's another topic for another podcast. But uh, then they get overwhelmed with all the requirements that those job postings uh, entail. So then they just think that's it. There's nothing left to do in research. Did you know the first thing I did when I got hired at a research clinic, I went to go buy dry ice at the store. I don't need any skills to do that. I got a bachelor's degree in molecular cellular biology. And I'm going to buy dry ice and like giving urine samples to the hospital. Like that's people need help. Research sites like Judy's need interns, especially if Judy's out there Googling for services in her area. Like if you can figure out what it is Judy is Googling, or maybe you have a Judy in your neighborhood, find out what she's Googling and then figure out how to provide that to her or him, you're in. I mean, maybe Judy won't hire you, but another person will. You know, just five research sites in your area, if you provide value as far as things that they need, you're in as an intern, and then maybe, like in Judy's case, a part-time part position. And what a way to get started. And now you have a clear path towards CRA, or whatever your goal might be, just so many are CRA, that's their goal. So that's, that's usually what I'm used to telling people, but it could be anything in research, the doors are wide open.
Yeah, for sure. Awesome. So what's left on the agenda? Because we got yeah. Monica's Let's like go. got stuff to announce. Maybe well, maybe we should take uh, any other suggestions from the audience. I know there's a few comments we already. Is there any other comments that anybody wants to actually talk? Carlos says I can't talk. Carlos <laughs> said I can't talk, but I want to thank Monica for inviting me. Thank you, Carlos. We don't want you getting in trouble. It's only going on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> and your PI watches. So. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's working really hard in uh, his COVID uh, studies and he's looking for patients. <laughs> That's true. That's true, actually. Any frontline, any worker, any healthcare worker that wants to prevent getting COVID, uh, they're doing a study. Carlos is the coordinator. So just message me. I'm actually the monitor for that study. So message me if you're interested. It's a prophylaxis study with vitamins and hydrochloroquine. Um, message me if you're interested and uh, you can get in the study. It's completely virtual, completely remote. Everything will be shipped to your home. That sounds like an interesting study. Free plug. I'm, going to I'm participate. in. I'd be in, but I can't. I can't. I'm the monitor, so I can't, I'm but in. I'd do it. I will be doing it. Uh, he's sending me the ICF today. Oh, good. Good, good. Awesome. I think maybe talking down about how. Um, you know, for those who can't be here today, talking about how they can possibly reach out and ask us questions, even for vendors or sponsors that would like to, you know, get involved and things like that, how they could reach out. How vendors, so, okay. Uh, wait, can you say that again? Because I was reading this comment about this person from Colombia. <laughs> this is, uh, um, I'll, I'll get to you, Carlos. This is another Carlos. For sure. How to, uh, for those that are not here today that are going to watch this video later, how they can reach out to us, how, uh, you know, ask us questions, issues that they'd like for us to bring up at the next oh, meeting yeah. or podcast, things like that. So we're all on LinkedIn, all of us. And I mean, everybody who's in this group should probably add one another to LinkedIn. But myself, Ashley, Judy, Monica, we're all on LinkedIn. We have a Latinos in Clinical Research group on LinkedIn as well. And then we have an Instagram uh, page also. Facebook. Latinos, Facebook, sorry. I That's like the one that I use the least, but it's like the most important one too, Facebook. Facebook. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's where you can connect. We would love to feature different vendors on from time to time or just different people. You know, like Jacqueline, I hear a lot of things about you being a CRA. I would love to interview you one day on that. And maybe we can start out with one of these Zoom calls. Uh, so just reach out to any of us on LinkedIn. We're very accessible. We love to hear from vendors. If you've got an interesting solution, you think, uh, for education or patient accrual or diversity, um, all, all this kind of stuff, just let us know and we'd be happy to feature you uh, on one of these Zoom calls. As we grow, you'll grow with us too. That's the goal. Let's see the comments. Yeah, you were going to read the comments. Carlos from Colombia. I live in Colombia and provide services to the U.S. and European sponsors. Hey, Carlos, how's it going, man? <laughs> Developing medical devices. Is there any way I can help? Carlos, meet Monica. Okay, she's your fellow <laughs> Colombian. So you're Colombian too? Yes, 
I am 100% Colombian. <laughs> so, no, I just wanted to let you know, I run, I'm a physician, and I've been working on clinical trials for medical devices for the last uh, eight years, maybe. But as a physician, I've been doing research, uh, academic research for maybe 20 years, something like that. Wow. So, so it's been, it hasn't there other Latino doctors or other Hispanic doctors about this beautiful the beauty of being in this industry I think that could be a good way to start at least um, collaborating and then it's also exposure for yourself so mm -hmm. it will be good for everybody sorry so I was, I was, it was very interesting what you said earlier that it was difficult for doctors to get into clinical research and, the, and I still think this is a big problem everywhere. And in mm -hmm. Colombia, I tried, I tried to get into a pharmaceutical company or into a CRO for years and I couldn't make it. I had to open my, my own ones just to get <laughs> into this industry. So, so I think, and, and the other way, I, I know millions of doctors, it's just an exaggeration, but you know, I know everyone in Colombia and everyone is trying to get into this industry and they don't know how. And mm -hmm. this, I think there's, there's yeah, you might know in Colombia, the, the health system is good for patients, but it's not so good for doctors. Mm -hmm. So everyone is trying to get a different opportunity to work and to do a career. And they are just hopeless because mm -hmm. they, they don't find anything to do. So I would like I would like to you know to help you, and it was obviously it's going to be helpful for me too. But I would like to give some other doctors the opportunity to get into this business, into this industry. And there's so many things that we can learn, and we can also teach to people that don't know. And uh, as I said before, I work only on medical devices, and due to due to this COVID pandemic, people are working on ventilators and I'm learning a lot of things too that we can also teach to people you know we're not working only on clinical trials but we're supporting the companies that are developing the, 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 the device by itself so we have to be compliant with like like a million regulatory requirements and and uh, standards and for so many things so I think this is a new market a new industry even for for us here in Colombia and uh, I know that most of the people work on pharmaceuticals but it's, it's frustrating for me to, you know, to, to see that medical devices don't have a, a big opportunity in whatever thing everyone is always talking about when they talk about clinical research. So I would like to, you know, work with you, talk to you about this and see what you think and offer you whatever I can do for you. Great. Thank you. That sounds amazing. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. Yeah, that would be, that's great, because actually what you mentioned, uh, we don't talk about medical devices. I'm not familiar with trials. I haven't worked on any. Um, that's, I don't have that background, but it would be fascinating to know more about it and how we could help possibly even get involved in a trial um, on our site if there is anything in our area. Um, I would be interested to know and that we could share with everybody else in the community, too. Thank you very much. Yeah, one of the things I've been I've noticed about doctors, because I'm always trying to recruit more doctors, is um, there's a misconception that they're only interested in the money. 
because a lot of these doctors I've been talking to lately, you know, they make a lot of money and they don't need my research money that I'm going to pay them. Like when we're starting a new site, what they're interested, what I've been noticing that they're interested in. And if somebody can create like a course on this, I mean, obviously this is going to probably have to be United States first. If somebody can create like a course on how to do an investigator initiated trial, everything from getting the funding from the NIH or from the sponsor, uh, getting a grant, writing the protocol, because I'm trying to help them. So that's one of the ways that I have been able to get some of these doctors who are wealthy and don't really care about making extra money with research, but they have, they're passionate about the science and they have ideas about what they want to do. Um, you know, I've been telling them, Hey, well, if you do these studies with me, you're going to learn what a protocol is, how to structure everything. You're going to see from the, from the pharmaceuticals, how they design their studies and how they execute their studies. So I've been able to get them started in research, but it's not really what they want to do. They want to do their own studies. And there's almost like, there's no, there's very little information that I've found on helping doctors create their own studies from funding to everything else. That's a wide open business opportunity, not just for Latinos, but I'm sure in Latin America, there's gotta be some similar opportunities there. Well, now that you mentioned that, Dan, I actually have, I don't know why I didn't think about this, but I actually have a friend, um, she's my age. She's been working with the NIH uh, during this COVID period. And she's a doctor uh, and um, specialist and she's Latina. So I think I'll be reaching out to her to see if we can do an interview, see if we can, you know, bounce back some ideas and things like that. I mean, obviously not necessarily what you just mentioned, um, but something that can actually the help. The beginnings of it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe just the beginnings of it. That would be good. Yeah. Have her come on. Have her come on for one sure. of these uh, Latino Zoom calls. For sure. For sure. There's a lot of stuff, guys, a lot of stuff in the space that we can we can do. Like it's I feel like we're just getting like on the surface of what the opportunities actually are. Yeah, and all the more reason why to, to reach out via email or even just separately to one of our uh, DMs on LinkedIn. Let us know, you know, one of the biggest things that you have difficulty with at your site or wherever it is that you work at um, or things that you would like to do moving forward into the into the research industry and just so that we can you know touch base and see exactly how it is that we can help or things that we can create to help you as well as other people that are having the same issues so yep yeah, yeah i would love to have your friend on judy got a comment judy i was going to from nancy thank you nancy i was oh. going to suggest advertising on facebook for your area facebook has a grant for women business owners for advertising so hey yeah. ladies okay. Go out there and get these grants. <laughs> yeah, so I'm a co-owner. My the other owner is my PI, who's a doctor, a male. So I don't know if I would qualify for the women business owner, but I'll look into it. Um, but yeah, we do Just use show Facebook. Them this. Just show them the woman <laughs> on the shirt. Point of view. <laughs> Uh, we do use Facebook and it's kind of hit or miss um, with different trials that we work on. We focus a lot on um, psychiatry, Sienna studies. So the protocols are a lot more specific, but I think Facebook out of all the social media accounts, Facebook is the most successful so far um, in our community. Thank you for that. <laughs> Thank you. I didn't know that. So I'm going to go into it. 
<laughs> it seems that we have a group of Colombians here. Somebody yeah. else, Lily. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that sounds great. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, so I'm from Colombia. Hi, Lily. Hi. Hi. Awesome. Another Colombian in California. Me too. I'm in California. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All right. Okay. So sorry. All right, that moves us on to our next thing. Uh, Monica, if you want to discuss the CRC scholarship. Well, I think it's time to announce our uh, winner. This is this is uh, because the CRC Academy hit the uh, first year anniversary. We're very happy uh, because we help um, somehow many people to join this industry. Uh, it's been a great journey, and uh, and um, so I think it's you guys, Monica, ahead. I gotta give you, <laughs> I gotta give you a lot of props for this. And Raúl, you guys have done a, such a good job with the CRC Academy. We've had nothing but positive uh, feedback. People emailing me from the class saying how good you guys are and how excited they are to get hired. I saw the email today where I'll send out about three companies looking for CRCs. The industry is booming guys. Like yeah. go out there and get it, but good job, Monica and Raul. So yeah, go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. Thank you. Okay. So the winner is dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> The winner is, and it, it was actually unanimous uh, decision. Uh, one second. Congratulations to Nancy Lockhart. Hey. She's here. I know she's here. <laughs> I congrats, Nancy. Congrats, Nancy. Hey, congrats. Yay. <laughs> Thank you. Know, you. <laughs> you know what did it for me? What did it for me was that extra credit bonus. I got a yeah. tweet. I got a tweet late last night around 10 p.m. as I was getting ready to go to sleep, and I'm like, "What I'm is sorry. this video?" No, no, you didn't disrupt <laughs> me. I'm on Twitter looking at news. Don't worry, Nancy. But I saw your mention. I said, "What is this?" I push play. I'm like, "Okay." I sent it to Monica. I sent it to Ashley. Sent it to Judy. We're all like, "Okay, who else is submitting these things?" Let's pick a winner before tomorrow. So, congrats, Nancy. Very well deserved. Awesome. Thank you very much. I loved thank your you. answer. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yes. You know, I I started and it was like two minutes and forty seconds, so I had to cut it down, cut it down, cut. And <laughs> I actually didn't say what I intended to say, but I think it was okay. <laughs> thank you. Good. Well, that brought you here. See your effort. Give yeah, it, it it was uh, it was not in vain. <laughs> yeah. Now you you won mm -hmm. a full scholarship, so uh, I'm gonna get in touch with you to get all your information so we can get you registered and start right now. <laughs> yeah, Nancy, you got homework. You got homework already. I'm looking at my watch. It's like you got stuff to submit already. <laughs> we'll, we'll get you right. in. I'm excited. Thank you very much. Awesome. Well, thank Yay. you for participating. Thank you, everybody, for participating, too. I mean, all the people that participated, it was amazing. I mean, 
uh, and and this is also part of 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 sharing. <laughs> sharing is caring, as we always hear there. So, um, hey, you know what I you. find? You know what I found out? Because uh, we do the scholarship for the CRA Academy every quarter. Uh, but don't ask me about January. We're not announcing anything yet. Um, <laughs> but and it's hard to win, guys. It's like your chances are not that you're gonna win. But I've noticed that the scholarship winners, like we've had enough now, like to have some data on this. The scholarship winners tend to get, on average, hired a little bit quicker than the other students. So yeah. I don't know if that's just like random, random data that I have, or if I'm noticing a trend. Maybe it's like the extra effort. I don't know. Maybe it's doing that video and posting it on Twitter that's going to make you apply to like 10 more jobs and get get hired. But I've seen that and I've started to interview some of the students who have done that. So um, yeah, this a uh, good job. Congratulations, Nancy. Thank you, everybody. Uh, make okay. sure you subscribe, latinosinclinicalresearch.com and um, you won't miss out on the next Zoom meeting or any other announcements that we have. So thank sure. you, everybody. Let's all network on LinkedIn uh, and let's talk about me, what man. other topics you would like to hear. Just uh, Dan yeah, and yeah. Monica. Uh, good evening, everyone. And uh, I have I had some I, I did some questions to to Monica. Uh, I would I do appreciate it. Uh, she could uh, give uh, give me a, a feedback when she could. Uh, it's not necessary to do it now, but I'd like to to hear what she thinks about the those themes. I ask it directly her. Yeah, come Thanks. on, Monica. Right, we so need to thank know. Thank you. Thank you. I will. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. You so guys thought it was over. It's just getting started. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> when it was done, let me see. I'm going to take a look. In my, uh, to my LinkedIn. George, it wasn't to my LinkedIn. Oh, yeah. I, I did it directly. Uh, let me see. Uh, while we're waiting, I, I just, I I just wanted to say, if anybody ever has questions, there's anything I can answer, feel free to reach out to me, LinkedIn, I'll give you my email, phone number, um, I can send it to you by message, um, feel free, any okay. questions, that, maybe things I, I experience and you need help with, feel free, anytime. <laughs> well, Judy, after your story, after your story of hiring uh, people like from Craigslist, everybody's going to email you now. <laughs> George, I can find Hi. it. Where did you send it to me? You send it to oh. my LinkedIn or? No, uh, uh, I chose uh, you from the chat, but, but I can uh, I can hear all out. Oh, what do see. you think? No. Uh, I I, uh, I don't I don't see it. Let me see. It's uh, the right at the beginning, but I can hear it. I can I can read it. Uh, I have okay, asked you about great. the about about how, how do you evaluate the, the practice of uh, risk-based monitoring here in Latin America? And uh, another theme is what have you experienced in the digital approach of the informed consent for applying? Can, can you repeat that one again, please? Uh, the first one is about the how do do evaluate the practice of uh, uh, the the risk based monitoring here in Latin America, and okay. the other questions about the 
how uh, have you have experienced the uh, the digital approach of the clean, uh, in, in informed consent for application? Uh, the first question, I think I'm going to send it, to, I'm going to give it to Dan. <laughs> Dan is more expert in that area. And the second question, I will answer it. By the way, Zoom is very smart because I was muted. I don't know if this is random. As soon as you said my name, it told me to unmute myself. I don't know if that's like this oh, kind of weird. Wow. I don't know if wow. that was an accident or what happened. <laughs> kind of scary. Uh, remote monitoring. or You're talking risk-based monitoring, risk right? Mm -hmm. So risk-based is... Risk-based. I don't see risk-based happening risk -based. anymore. That was more of a thing like four years ago. I don't know if that's the new normal or if they stopped doing that because all the monitoring I'm doing is 100% traditional. So it's 100% source data verification. Risk-based monitoring, you're supposed to like skip certain things. You're not supposed to verify everything. Uh, you're just supposed to focus on certain parts of the study. <clears throat> From like the last three years I've been contracting, it's been all 100% source data verification. I don't know if there's another CRA here that can tell me the same. I ask CRAs actually, when they come to site selection visits, I always ask them, is this a risk-based monitoring study? And they look at me like I'm crazy. Like, you know, why are you asking this? So I don't think they're actually using this strategy anymore. Uh, I think the analytics have to catch up. I think they're trying to get artificial intelligence involved somehow, just like Zoom told me to unmute myself. Um, but I don't see that being the case right now. I see a lot of remote monitoring because of COVID, um, but that's still 100% traditional monitoring or 100% um, source data verification. I'm quite surprised because uh, I almost seen it as a trend, but you told me not. I hear a lot about it. I hear a lot about it. I read a lot of articles about it, but I don't actually see it and I don't actually do it. I do have to say, I think at my site, we do have risk-based monitoring um, for a lot of our studies. I don't know if it's just the specific studies I'm working on or the specific sponsors and the therapeutic areas. So it's mostly psychiatry, CNS. But more recently, though, the past couple pre-site visits I had, it sounds like they're trying to move back to 100% source data verification. Like they're trying to get rid of that risk space. Maybe it didn't work before. I don't think it did because it, to me, I think it gave monitors more excuse not to get certain things yeah. done. So they would, you know, not come to our site and then they'd be really behind and try to catch up. Um, so but I, I do see that on some of our studies still right now. I think that actually it also depends on like your CRO or your sponsor. So um, uh, with my uh, CRO, I believe that we actually do both. So, and it's just more to kind of have a, a more direct like view and kind of just being able to oversee everything as a whole. So um, I really just think it depends, you know, on where it is that you're either working or who you're working for, uh, possibly the major CROs uh, and the major sponsors. Yeah, I work with a very small CRO, so I don't think they have the tools for that. I wouldn't be surprised if the big CROs all have the tools. I just don't know if they've implemented them or rolled them out. And like Judy said, you know, a lot of the newer studies are now just coming back to 100% source data verification. So I think they're 
fixing the system somehow, fixing the technology. But at the same time, wouldn't that kind of go out the door too as we start transitioning to electronic source documents as sites implemented? Because I'm in the process of implementing that at my site right now for all studies. So then that's going to eliminate that whole risk and they can just monitor every single visit remotely and they don't have to worry about actually looking at source docs. I don't know. Well, um, I guess we'll see how it goes next year. <laughs> yeah, I think the next thing, once everybody starts switching to e-source, they're going to have ways like it'll be easier for the algorithms to match up what's in the EDC with what's in the e-source. And so okay. then I think you might have risk-based monitoring. True. Yeah. That, and that actually uh, also answers the second question because uh, uh, the, the uh, ICF electronically is, is, is actually pretty much in every single study now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the eco e informed consent. Yep. See, but that's weird. I don't. I mean, what? I don't know what's going on with my studies. I don't see that in my studies. Mine are a little bit more complicated, I guess. Out of all the ten studies we're working on, one has electronic e consent, and that was they barely pushed it out like a few months ago. And I don't. I mean, I I don't know. It was a little challenging to get used to it, but we got used to it. But everything else is paid. Like no, not electronic consent. We kind of have pretty much all the studies, but they give you the option to do it also in paper. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of your choice. <laughs> and nice. and for us and for the, the patients, because we work with the same patient population, similar to I mean very mm -hmm. similar to yours that is with mental health. Uh, with them it's more challenging to do it electronically than is doing mm -hmm. it in paper. Yeah. So most of the time that's what we ended up doing in paper. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but we do have the op both options. Yeah, uh, I have asked this question because uh, in this new new normal, this pandemic scenario, we uh, I see some sites getting this approach, uh, getting the the, the informed consent electronically, or even uh, by uh, WhatsApp post. See, and oh. uh, I, I I have that. Uh, I have not geared uh, too much, how can I say, uh, opinions about this. And I even don't know how to do it because uh, there are no, uh, no uh, regulations here in Brazil to, 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 to deal directly uh, about this approach. But I know mm -hmm. it's a, a new reality because the, the, the pandemic scenario uh, requires the, 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 the social dis distancing and uh, even uh, uh, how can I say you you uh, the 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 telemedicine uh, 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 telehealth tools, some new tools telehealth yeah <laughs> uh, it's a, a a new new tool that there, there's uh, coming to yeah. to Brazil right now and I think all this thing uh, are, are, um, uh, the, uh, have uh, how can I say uh, all the this this uh, remoting tools uh, make part of the, the the same approach the same scenario yeah and I don't know how can 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 the things could improve the the the, the clinical trials practice it's going to improve with uh, algorithms and machine learning because all that telehealth stuff is doing is it's going to allow for transcripts. And once the transcripts get really good, then the algorithms can just look at the transcripts. So now you have a machine looking at a progress note. You have a machine looking at an e-source. 
and you have a machine looking at the EDC. So now you get the human to go look at the protocol deviations and you get the human to go look at um, preventing a deviation maybe or retraining the site. So, but this is like a decade away. I mean, we're, and who knows once COVID is over, you know, let's see next year, I think by summer, it's kind of going to be ending. I think telehealth, I mean, sure, some sites are going to keep it. I think the majority of sites are going to go back to how they did it. I do think eSource is going to continue to gain traction and e-regulatory as well. Um, But telehealth, who knows? Who knows? So, you know, I think we're a ways away from the machines taking over, completely taking over. Then we won't need Latinos in research group. We'll need uh, artificial intelligence in research group. (laughs) <laughs> that's it everybody good yeah yeah so that was a great first oh, meeting dude, i just great first on. episode i want to say something real quick raul crc academy loves you can you guys hear me <laughs> hi how are you <laughs> well i'm not sure if you guys can hear me but um I just want to express my gratitude for starting this group. Um, Dan, Monica, Judy, and Ashley, I believe uh, this is going to be a very successful group. Uh, just looking the years combined of experience, not just for the co-founders, for every single member that is now and also is going to be in the future, it's going to be amazing the opportunities. Many things that you guys mentioned that will come up from here is discovering new businesses, services, exchanging knowledge. I mean, there's a win-win situation here. So uh, just want to express my gratitude to part of this uh, movement or group. And I wish you all always the best and be blessed to be here. So very excited for the next meeting. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, bro. Thank you, everybody. And also, out on LinkedIn and also congratulations and all that to Nancy stuff. again. Congratulations to Nancy. Oh, Nancy, congrats. <laughs> Nancy, your homework, you got homework. It's overdue now. Your homework is overdue. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Appreciate you all, and uh, we'll do it again, all right? Let's keep in touch on LinkedIn and Instagram or wherever else you'd like to. It was nice okay. seeing you. Sure. Meeting Thank you, guys. Thank you.